This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What's up, fam? Welcome back to the World That's Good podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope you're having a great week, but it's about to get better because we have two incredible guests on the podcast today with a brand new book. First off, look how beautiful these people are. We have Stevie (laughs) and Saz, and we're going to be talking about a real good life. Welcome to the podcast, friends. Oh my gosh, Sadie, it's always a good day when we get to start it here with you on your podcast. I think this might be the second or third time we're back on. Stevie, this is your first time on the show. But I will just say anytime I've done your, uh, just been a guest on your podcast, I have met so many incredible people through your amazing audience and through your community. So Thanks for having us back, everyone. We're excited to be here. So glad to be here. That's so cool. I love that so much. Well, I love all that y'all do. And of course, I was going to have you back. And now I'm glad to have Stevie on too. And, you know, it really is just this book is so cool. But I love that this is Whoa, That's Good. And we're talking about how to have a real good life. So there's (laughs) there's a lot of good things that you listeners should be expecting on this podcast. Um, Stevie, since this is your first time, I'll ask you the question of the world that's good podcast i might be just dropping this on you you might be like i have I no it. idea what i'm gonna say but that's okay that's what makes this podcast great but that's what good. is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given oh my whoa God. drop it like it's hot <laughs> right know, I, I usually i actually pride myself at being somebody who's like good on the fly like i'm an improv guy <laughs> all that stuff so i'm like oh no problem but right now i'm like oh my gosh I'll just have to say probably the first thing that came to mind was, um, Ooh, yes. Well, I want to say two things now. I want to say <laughs> a quote both. from Rick Warren. It wasn't direct advice to me, but it was something that I was like, as like somebody who struggles with performance and trying to be a perfect like son in the kingdom and obviously always falling short. I, one thing that Rick Warren said, like totally blessed me one time. He mm-hmm. said, God's not as concerned with the perfection of your heart as the direction of your heart. And so just about how like, stop trying to get it right all the time and just pursue him first. You know what I mean? Everything Mm -hmm. else will line up. So that was, that was one that wasn't to me. And then direct to me, I asked, um, some of our, our spiritual moms and dads, they have just the most wonderful family, like their family. I look at them and I'm like, you guys seem to have it all together. And I asked their dad, Scott, I said, Scott, what is the best parenting advice you could give me. And I've heard him reiterate this too. Um, he said, he said, learn how to open up your home and host others and, Mm. and let your, let your home be open, like have an open door policy in your home with people who, who need help and, and need to, you know what I mean? Like come into your house for a season. And I was like, why is that? He was like, hospitality he's like, "It, it really tremendously blesses your family and your children specifically. And I actually I can, I can speak for that because somebody like we did the same thing in my family where aunts, uncles, other people came and and lived with us for a short time. And so he said, he said, when you have godly people who are a little bit younger than you living in your house, he's like, it gives your kids somebody to look up to. Yeah. So you bless somebody while your children are also being blessed and and they have an amazing family. So I was like, Hey, if it works, it works. So that was good parenting advice. That's such good advice. Well, first off, I love that the Rick Warren advice was advice that you took personal because I always say that on the podcast, you know, we are blessed to have great mentors in our lives that we can go, you know, actually have coffee with or pick up the phone and call. 
But not everybody has that. And it's such a blessing, though, that there are so many resources out there that these incredible people who are so wise, who are spiritual mothers and fathers, have written books and they do podcasts and they have a YouTube channel or they have an Instagram that you really can learn from them, you know? And so I love that you're like, you know what? I'm going to take that personal. That's the best piece of advice I've ever been given. And then also I love the other piece, too. That's something my family has as well, just an open door policy. And I love it. Like at Christmas, there's always people no one knows and we're like you know those, yeah, those are the true. people right, that right. someone invited and it's just great but it, it does it teaches you so much and my grandparents they actually they always have someone living with them they um only mm. count it if you live with them for over six weeks they only count that as like you live with them and they've had over a hundred wow. people live with them which means over a hundred people have stayed for over six weeks um which is just really cool but we've been uh we've been so blessed by that and by getting to know new people and learning uh, from new people as have they been blessed by having a home so i agree that hospitality is is huge um, well, I'm so excited yeah. to, to jump into this book. I've, I know people are going to be so excited because everyone wants to live a good life, right? And so um, before we kind of get mm-hmm. into the whole thing, I want to ask y'all, in, in y'all's opinion, before you wrote this book, before you kind of had this revelation of what really the good life is, what was y'all's ideal good life? Like whenever maybe you were a little bit younger, if you thought oh. this is the good life, what would have that been? Oh, you know, this is such a great question, Sadie. And, you know, for us, that's kind of even when we were writing the introduction of the book, we immediately sort of started there. What our ambitions and our what the land of the good life looked like right before we actually realized what the real thing was. I think you can add to this. We could probably powwow off of it is for me as a, even as a young girl, I probably in my teens, you know, when you're starting to think about your future and what that looks like and all the things, right? I really saw success being this thing about right wealth, mm-hmm. in, about the, the career aspect. I was like, I want to be the next Juliana Rancic at <laughs> E! News. The entertainment world is calling my name. Which, by the way, and is not really a thing anymore. Isn't that funny? Time. No, yeah. it's really not. The show is that yeah. no longer really a thing. But, you know, it's funny how when we're younger, we have those really lofty dreams and goals. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I was like, I will be the next biggest news reporter that <laughs> is out there. And I had this vision that like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have, you know, the best uh, wardrobe. I'm going to have the nicest car. It was very worldly, mm-hmm. very material. Um, and for me, this was funny enough around the time in my life when I didn't have Jesus in my life. So it was easy for me to really put a lot of those um, eggs in that basket of what I thought happiness and joy and contentment and success was, mm-hmm. is in those sort of worldly material aspirations. Um, and you. I- you have a good excuse because I had God in my life and I was like, I'm, I'm going to Hollywood. I'm going to be a star. Watch me, you know, watch me go. It's so funny. Like kind of, I, and I, what's so funny about my journey is I remember being like 15 and asking my youth pastor, I was like, I really want to be an actor. Like, I feel like that's like the gifts that God has given me. That's what, you know, I'm kind of being called into. I was like, but I'm also scared that God doesn't want me to do it. And he was like, dude, you're 15. Like, don't worry about it. And I was like, but I need to know. I "I need to know where I'm headed. You know, like even from an early age, like I was like, I want to be successful. I want to do something that counts and that matters. And I want to do it really well. Hmm. And so I just remember from even from that age, like being like, God, like if you don't want me to do this, I will give it up. It'll crush me, but I'll give it up. Hmm. And I remember it was like around the age of like 27 after we were married when God officially was like, I want you to give that dream up and let it die. And so wow. from there and, and Cezanne's same thing, same story, yeah. you know, she gave up her dream of doing what she thought was the good life. And it was really at that point when God was like, okay, now I can really use you and I can take you into the good life that I have for you. That's you know? great. That's so good. Okay. Yeah. I love this already so much. Um, I want to ask because there's um, a quote that I wrote down from the book that I thought was just really good because some people are already listening to this and they're like, 
That sounds good. The whole idea of a good life, but I don't know if I can obtain the good life because of my circumstances or because of the hand that, you know, life dealt me. And I love, um, Saz, you wrote this, like fairness doesn't have much to do with the good life. And you were talking about a season of life that just didn't seem fair. And I think that a lot of people do kind of feel like that. It's like, man, that's great that y'all can live the good life, but my life hasn't been fair. Like I can't live a good life. So can you speak into a little bit about how the good life really is an invitation for all people to live, no matter what season or circumstance you're really in? Y'all, I love summertime. It is my favorite season and I'm so excited to jump back in. We are approaching the best time of the year. But no matter what your summer looks like, KiwiCo invites kids and kids at heart to enjoy their first summer adventure series. Kids can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks, no matter what their age is, with enriching activities that accompany each project. KiwiCo has something for everyone with different topics for each age from space to dinosaurs and so much more. I am so excited about the summer series. We actually are getting this little driver that I know Haven is going to love because it's a little steering wheel and she loves anything active and also a little like neighborhood fun one where they have a water paint thing, which is so good because it's not going to make a mess and Honey is so into painting right now. And painting with a three-year-old, yeah, that's just hard. So I'm excited for the no mess. KiwiCo offers kids a chance to get outside and explore screen-free with projects like the Bottle Rocket Kit from the Summer Adventure Series. They can turn the outdoors into a playground of learning and fun. Every Summer Adventure Series with KiwiCo is a personalized experience that includes real engineering, science, and art projects. And you'll be impressed with how high quality all the materials are. Everything we've gotten from KiwiCo has been absolutely amazing and such high quality. I know sometimes it can be hard to find creative, engaging ways to keep your kids away from the screens and just having fun, but KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can focus on spending fun and quality time tackling projects together. The KiwiCo Summer Adventure Series is personalized to your family and can be received all at once or weekly for six weeks, depending on your schedule. If you like it all at once, that's great, or space it out a little bit. Build the best summer ever with KiwiCo. Get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash Sadie Rob Summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico, K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash Sadie Rob Summer. For sure. Sadie, I think you and I have actually talked about this on, on your previous show, a previous podcast was, you know, when it comes to the good life, I think what Stevie and I have seen through our testimony and how God has just used us in a way has been like, it's never been easy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, 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 there's this idea and this perception that like good means easy. Mm-hmm. Good means like um, things are just working. You have a favor upon favor, just showering over you. No, like I think what we've seen is that like good and hard actually coexist yep. in a good life. And actually you have to go through the hard, I believe, to get to the good mm-hmm. and that good being um, a, a truly God filled life. Right. Mm-hmm. We talk about the good life, but you can't spell good without God. Let's be real. Come on, And girl. so when I think about what I think about like that, version of good, that's the life that we want to cultivate. That's the life we want others to see, breathe, and cultivate. There's a specific chapter in the book that I talked about, and it was called, you know, finding hope in hopelessness and in those hopeless moments in our life. I remember a season of my life where, you know, Steve and I both came from humble beginnings and I grew up in a, in a two and a half bedroom apartment. I say half because it was a laundry room that we converted into a third bedroom, but there was eight of us living in this apartment up until wow. I was 16 years old. So you can imagine that like all of my foundational memories, everything was within really close quarters within family members. Like there was no, I mean, we were all up in each other's business. So it's like, I grew up in an environment where, you know, we lived in this really small apartment. And I remember the day when I was five years old and we, I was coming home from school after my parents, my dad had just opened up this new restaurant in Irving, Texas, and he had really been saving up to do this. And so him and my mom were working at this restaurant all day to get it prepped and ready When we got home that day and I walked up to the apartment door, the bolt had been completely Mm -hmm. shut like 
off the door. There was wooden scraps everywhere. The door was kind of beaten open. And I said something as a joke as a five-year-old because I saw it in a movie and I was like, oh my gosh, we've been robbed. And my parents were like, okay, whatever. And so we go up to the staircase and they actually see in our apartment door had been broken off the door and we were actually robbed. And so we had waited for the police to arrive. And I remember walking into that scenario as a young five-year-old girl looking around as somebody else's dirty fingerprints had been on our house and we already had less. And so that became even less than that. And so mm-hmm. I remember it felt like when, you know, watch the Grinch stole Christmas, that movie and how it says that the Grinch stole every last crumb. So what we had had, which wasn't much now became even less than that. I remember as the police were asking my mom to look around, see what possessions and belongings had been taken. My mom was walking around. We were all taking inventory and note. And I remember the Nintendo that my parents saved up for it was shortly after Christmas they had stolen our Nintendo. And I just thought, oh my gosh, the, that somebody else is going to get to collect coins with my controller, <laughs> yeah. like as a five-year-old. Right. And I remember they stole a bunch of other stuff. It was this moment where my family, we felt completely hopeless. You would mm. think how... How do you, how do you even see the good in a moment like that, in a situation like that? And I remember as a five-year-old, what do we do as kids? You always look at your parents to see how they're going to react because that's going to help determine how you react. And I remember in that moment, what my parents did was they grabbed me and my two sisters and they brought us together into their arms. And they said, the most important thing is that we still have each other and that that is something that is never going to be taken away from us as a family. And I remember that while I still had fear, I still had panic and I had years of trauma from that experience, imagining somebody in our home, somebody who could still be hiding in the house. As a kid, you think, oh my God, are they hiding somewhere? I -hmm. remember in that moment, that brought me so much peace, even as a five-year-old to where I can say, I remember that today. And what I'm trying to say with that is anyone who's listening, maybe today in your life, something has hit the rocks. Maybe there's a relationship that's suffering. Maybe you've, you know, given up on certain areas of your personal health, or you've ignored certain areas of your life, or you're going through loss. I think it's so important that there is always good in the midst of hopelessness, no matter what. Right. Mm. And so I believe that what God can do through that loss, through that brokenness is God can always use that. He can use that hopelessness, that hopeless moment as the pulp, the pulp for something new that he is going to do in your life and in your story. So I want to encourage anyone and everyone listening who feels like there is no light at the end of this tunnel right now. It is hard to see the good in the midst of hard. I will say, do not lose sight and do not lose hope because that is just the beauty of having right Christ in our lives is that no matter what happens today, God is in it and he is not going to leave me and he is not going to forsake me. And so even as Mm -hmm. a five-year-old, I didn't even have Jesus in my heart at that time. I was able to see the father through my parents, through that moment that he used in that time period of my life to continue to write the story and continue to share the good amidst the hard. That's amazing. And I, I, I want to just pick up with what Saz left off too, is that I think People could look at us and, um, you know, Suzanne and I actually didn't want to be on the cover of this book. We we <laughs> wanted it just to say a real good life. Um, that was something that we argued with the publisher about. We we're like, yeah, we don't want to like, look like, look at us. You know, we want it to be about the message. Um, yep. And, you know, I, I get it. They're like, well, your new face needs to be on it. People, you know, want to know who you are. And so we're like, okay. But Suzanne and I both have the same uh, heart to champion the underdogs in this world. And I know that that's like Christ's heart. Christ really champions the underdog, you know, the last shall be first, because I think that was our story growing up, both of us. I remember a time when I was, you know, 12 years old, we were always struggling to to make ends meet um, in my family. And I just remember one time my dad got uh, really sick and was in the hospital for, you know, over a week. And that was a huge deal because we didn't have any extra money. And I remember our whole church family gathered around and gave us a sum of money. Hmm. And I just remember I remember my mom crying, you know, just sitting at the dining room table, crying tears of, of, of joy and just gasping this breath of like, oh, thank God, you know, thank God that people actually cared and actually stepped up for us. And we saw some grace because that time in our life, it felt like we didn't see a lot of grace. We didn't Mm -hmm. see a lot of that. So Cezanne and I both carry this heart. That's like, 
we want to champion those people who say, I don't know if the good life is for me. Maybe God just doesn't have a good life for me. And I would say he definitely does. And he does miraculous Mm. things when you are at the bottom and when you are broken. Hmm. It's when you're at the bottom and when you're broken that God can actually begin to start his ground work, right? Mm -hmm. And he can do a great work. He can build this great building, this massive structure, but that has to start at the foundation. Hmm. So I think for all of us, no matter where you are, whether rich or poor, we have to get to that place where we come to the end of ourselves and we Hmm. say, God, I truly don't know what's next. I don't have the answer. And I just, I just need grace. Mm. You might be a rich man who needs tons of grace over your family. Mm. You might be a poor man who has a wonderful family. You need tons of grace over your financial life. Mm. And so I think we all get to the end of our rope at some point and we have to say, God, I just don't have the answers. I want to live a good life because I think a good life is a holistic life. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel like Cezanne said. I do think that you're just going to go through trials and tribulations. The Bible talks about that. But God is there holding your hand. Mm -hmm. He didn't send David out to fight Goliath on his own. That would be crazy. But he was out there with David and he, you know what I mean? And he delivered David Mm -hmm. from that moment. And so you might be fighting Goliath right now and thinking like, God's not with me. No, God is with you. And you have to begin to see that he's not doing mean things to you. He's allowing things to happen for you, but you've got to fix your, your eyes on him. Man, that's so good. Gosh, this is this is so rich and this is so good. For those listening, if you're getting this, this is life-changing stuff. I love that. And in the Bible, you see that all throughout the scripture. I was just reading it, um, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whenever they stood, you know, for God, and they're like, my God can save me, my God's able to save me, but even if he doesn't, he's still God. And then they had to literally go in the fiery furnace but they lived. And actually, not only do they live, but people saw a fourth man in the fire. And it's just a really cool thing because it's not that they didn't have to still go in the fire. It's just that God was with them in the fire. And so I love that that's what you're saying. You might still have to go in the fire, but God's going to be with you in the fire. Um, I'm already Mm -hmm. starting to teach honey just some scripture and she doesn't even necessarily know that it's scripture. I'll say Jesus said or this. I'll just kind of throw it out there for her because whenever Mm -hmm. I, you know, leave, whenever she's going to bed, she's like, I don't want you to leave me, mommy. I don't want you to leave me. And I always tell her, I say, honey, I say, you know what? Mommy has to go to bed, but you know, Jesus never leaves you. It says in the word that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And you just uh, mentioned that verse earlier and you know, and she goes, he, he never leave me. I'm like, no, he never will leave you. So you're always going to be with someone, you know, you're never going to be alone. And it's just really cool to just see how that like impacts her. You know, she doesn't even have a full understanding yet for what that even means, but she knows someone's with me, you know, and I'm, oh, I'm actually going to be okay, you know? And so seeing it in her life, I'm like, man, I need that for my own life. Mm. I need to believe that in my own life that he will never leave me and never forsake me. And there are going to be times where it looks lonely. Like for honey, it looks lonely. It looks dark. I have a whole night ahead of me, you know, and some yeah. of you might be right there at the night and you're like, it looks lonely. It looks dark, but he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And so yeah. such a good word, y'all. I, I just, I'm, I'm so yeah. excited for people to read this book and hear all of this. Sadie, when you just said that about honey, I have to say I had the same experience most recently with our little Valentina, our little teeny. She's five and a half now, except her thing was, mommy, I don't like when like I have to go to sleep and, and I don't fall asleep yet, but then everybody else is sleeping. I said, well, here's the great news. God never sleeps. <laughs> like you're, you're okay. So we get this. The next night we read this little storybook that we have of like different versions, like of the, you know, like a kid's Bible. Uh-huh. And it was the story about how, you know, when they were out on the sea and how the disciples and the storm came, oh, no. the disciples were like, and then it says, it says, you know, Jesus was sleeping when all of this happened. Right. Oh, no. And then he wakes up and he's like, why are y'all freaking out? And then she said, mom. You said that God never sleeps. Jesus is taking a nap in the boat. And I was like, oh, God, wait till you get to that phase when you're just like, okay, um, how do I, you know, backtrack here? But yes, it's great. I want to add to what you were saying, though, Sadie, about how God never leaves or forsakes you. That was something that really changed my life recently is that a mentor was telling me, he was like, David was talking about, you know, I can, where I can go up to the heavens, I can go to hell in a sense. And your spirit is with me. Mm. And I want people to know that like God never leaves you, but you have to understand that he never leaves you even in your worst moment. Yeah. Like even in, even in like, not even just like, Oh, something really bad happened to me. He doesn't leave you in the moment when you're like, I did something really bad. Yeah. Like he's in the room. 
Yeah. And, and even though we'll turn our back on him, he doesn't turn his back on us. That's right. And so that's what allows us to stay in communion with him because he doesn't shame us. He says, mm-hmm. come to me. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you're also somebody who's like, well, I, I still can't have the good life because I, the things that I've done, God, you know, God just won't give me a good life, mm-hmm. but that's not true. God's actually in the room with you when you've done those things. Mm. And when you're still doing those things and he's patiently waiting, he's saying like, just come to me. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be, if there's no mm-hmm. distance between us, it's, it's just great. like when you have to discipline your child, mm-hmm. the real dis, like the real like sadness and what people get wrong about disciplining your kids is not the moment where you actually have to spank them. Cause the Bible talks about that. But it's, it's if you allow anger to come between you and your child and you turn your back in a sense on them, even for a period of time, yeah. you're like, I'm angry with you. You can't come to me. I don't want to talk to you. Right. And we frame God that way in that, you know, in that real personal sense, but he's not like that. He's yeah. always open. He's like, I'm yeah. never angry with you. My heart is open towards mm-hmm. you. I'm right here for you. And so if you're somebody too, who's like, I can't have the good life because of the things that I've done and, and what I'm still doing. I would say that's that's a lie from the enemy yeah. and shame cannot separate you from God unless you allow it. But that's you have right. to say like, just like Mary Magdalene accepted Jesus's invitation, he said, they don't condemn you, neither do I. So mm-hmm. the only one left to condemn her was herself. Yeah. And Ooh, if Mary real. Magdalene said, right, if Mary Magdalene said like, right, but like I still, and Jesus is right there, Jesus would be like, I'm, I'm here for you. And yeah. that's what God's doing constantly. And so don't disqualify yourself from his goodness and his grace. Because that's an open door invitation and just say like, oh God, like you have forgiven me. I can't understand it. Help me understand it hmm. and help me just to be with you. That's yeah. great. And I think, I think about we like changing our life, yeah. right? And the things that we mm-hmm. struggle with is not about saying, I don't want to do X, Y, and Z. It's not about being perfect. It's about saying, God, I actually just, I just want to be with you. Yep. Like I want to choose you over those things that I've done. Yeah, I want to be with you instead of turn my back on you. That's great. That's so good. There's such a big difference in like shame and conviction. And I think some people think that like when they feel convicted, they start going in this like shame mentality because they're like, oh, I did wrong. And so now like God couldn't love me. God uh, can't save me. And it goes into like all the shame. But it's like no conviction is an invitation to make it right with the Lord. Conviction is an invitation to repent. It's an invitation to confess. And Mm. Christian actually helped teach me that because I would go into that just shame mentality. It's like, as soon as I do something wrong, I'm just like, oh, you know, I feel mm-hmm. so far from God. Yeah. So, and Christian's like, why don't you actually see conviction as the gift that it is that the Holy Spirit in you is not letting you live in in that sin and making you go, no, I, I, I need to turn to the Lord because God like he's offered that forgiveness to you. And so now, like when I feel convicted, I'm not like, oh, I feel great. This feels like a warm hug. I mean, it's still hard, but I'm like, right. man, I'm right. so glad. But what I have learned, just when you talk about discipline, it's so interesting when you discipline your child, like that, even though you're disciplining them and you're doing something that should or could make them upset. And that's, I think, what people, especially in this generation, fear. It's like, oh, well, if I discipline them, then they're going to be upset or whatever. But it's so amazing that you can discipline your child, whether you spank or whether you say go to timeout or whatever. And like they want like as soon as that's over like who do they come to they come to you to hug you and then you talk it out and you say i love you and this is why we had to do that because i don't want you to get in trouble i don't want you to do something that could be dangerous for your life or that's not best for you you know mommy wants you to to do things that help you and make you thrive and all this kind of Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. and so it's just amazing because um they know even in you disciplining that you love them like and you're doing this out of love and that's how i feel with god now it's like man like that conviction is disciplining me but i know he loves me and he's trying to get me on the good life the good path for my life and so i have to lean into that and not run away from that and um man teaching your kid discipline will teach you a lot about how god conviction works in your life and disciplines you, you know, it's so good. Um, man, this is so rich. I have so many things, um, that I want to ask y'all about. But one thing about this book that is so great is that it's very practical. Like you actually put in some how to actually live a good life and y'all set it up in like routines, I guess, or rhythms about morning, day, evening, night, all that kind of stuff. And so how did y'all come upon these four reflect, focus, gather, rest? Was it something that you just noticed you were naturally doing? Was it something you saw other people doing? How did you form these four um, as what maybe will create a good life for you? 
I can answer the first part and then I think you will do great in the second half. But I'll just say like prior, you know, when, when I think this book, as we were writing it, it wasn't this idea of like, we have this aha, like we have figured out, we've made it to the good life and our life is perfect. And now we can just preach about it and all this stuff. I think it's amazing that when your heart is hungry, right. For more, when you, when you look at your, when you audit your life, like if we all look at our life from an aerial perspective and say like, okay, what is this life? that I currently have? And what are like the desires and the dreams that I have for this life? Where are the areas that if it was a garden, how would I want to plant and cultivate and water these seeds? Right. And I think for us, what we saw was that for so long, like we were saying, we were in LA, you know, chasing what we thought was the good life only to arrive there and realize that we're, we're actually in danger of missing the real thing. If we don't stop, and restart. And so I remember we really sat together and we, it was multiple times of sitting together, praying together, but really being brutally honest with ourselves, with God about, well, what is this life? Like if we want simplicity, like what does that mean? It means we've got to get, you know, roll up your hand, your sleeves and going into the garden, you've got to prune back. You've got to get rid of some things, even some pretty flowers on the rose bush may need to be cut so that new flowers can grow and new beauty, making room for that new beauty in your life. So I remember we had to sit down and make like a list of like those things. Like, what does that practically look like for us now that we have kids? What was important? You know, we ended up moving back to Texas. That was a huge part of that decision was like, we want to cultivate a life that we can love every day, despite not being where we want to be. And we want to start by looking at our own life and our family. And I think what God has done in the process has, while we were being uh, blessed by, you know, what this life really should be about, we were like, wait, this is also something we want to share with other people as well. So it's awesome how sometimes when you're going through the thick of figuring out life things. God can use that to help others as well. But really this book was written for us in a mm-hmm. sense, because we right. were really hungry and, and searching for those answers. So I think in terms of, you know, figuring out what those rhythms in the day were, it's amazing when you're in Genesis, right? And you see how God beautifully and artistically, right? brought this world in the seven days that he did and and created, you know, the earth and, and the stars and the humans and all of the things. And what's amazing is that when we look at a 24 hour day span, like that has been around since the beginning of God's creation It's like 24 hours in a day. We all have that. You don't have more time than I do and vice versa. So there's something really beautiful about that simple understanding of like, we all have that foundational 24 hours in a day. And I think how we live these days is the extension, right, of a good life over time. These days just add up and there's great days, there's hard days, there's bad days, there's beautiful days, like your wedding day, you know? And so when we looked at the day, we said, what if we broke it up into four different phases of the day? Like what if we actually chopped it up like a pie or a pizza and you look at it through the, through the lens of like, we have your morning, right? And then you go into your, um, your, your midday and then you've got your evening and then the nighttime hours. And when you look at that and you break it up, suddenly then you're able to kind of, for us realize, all right, well, when we look at our life, what does that framework look like? And so those words of rest, focus, you know, um, and, and gather. And those, those words are just so personal to our life and what we feel through other friends and community members. That seems to be like Mm -hmm. the goal, right? It's like, we all know that at one o'clock we're all in the thick of productivity in our day. So focus just really made sense for that bulk of the day. And then morning being reflect. I mean, there's so much beauty in those morning time hours um, and then obviously any given season you're in that changes because I'm in postpartum mode right now. So <laughs> I'm not getting up and having my quiet time at the ideal hour of the day that I want. So we talk about that too. Um, but I'll let you mm-hmm. kind of get into why those, maybe those phases of the day were really yeah. important for us when we were. Really- yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, when you think about like writing a book about a real good life, you can't just be like, here it is. Right. It's like, <laughs> that's overwhelming. Right. So we, what we realized is we were thinking, we we're like, you know, a good life is made up of one good day at a time, right? Mm -hmm. So what we wanted to do was even break the day up and make it smaller so that people have, they have moments to reflect, you know what I mean? To focus, to gather and to rest and realizing that those are essential ingredients to your day 
and the day makes up the week and the week makes up the year and your life and so on and so forth. And so we felt like, yeah, there has to be like tangible, real takeaways. Sometimes you go to church and you hear like the preacher speak and you're like, that sounds good. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, dude, I'm overwhelmed. You know what I mean? So we didn't want people to be, we didn't want people to be overwhelmed, you know, in, in reflecting, you know, first thing in the morning, it's like, we were thinking about Oliver, our, our four month old, you know, and how like every time you wake him up or he wakes you up in the morning, <laughs> the first thing that he sees is you, hmm. you know, his eyes are set on you first thing in the morning because he's like, I need you. Like, I need you to provide for me, take care of me, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the same way we are with God. It's like, God, I, I need you today hmm. and I need to set my eyes on you first thing, hmm. you know, and then you've got your focus portion of the day where we believe that God does call us to like work and to and to create, you know what I mean? He's given us gifts. Let's not hide our light. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gather. I mean, community is such a huge part and even community within your own home, right? Mm-hmm. It's like those relationships are such an important part. And then rest. I mean, you understand this. We understand this. When you got like a couple kids, man, you really need your rest and it is okay to give yourself permission to rest. There's a lot of power in, in resting. So we really believe that those were just like essential ingredients to a good day and a good life. I, I'm taking that advice with me. And um, I, I'm right there with you in that postpartum, those mornings. I'm like, how do you have a good morning routine when it's crazy? <laughs> and so I love that. It's simple. Oh it's like gosh. reflect, like you're not going to have a routine. Maybe, you know, maybe it's just waking up in the posture that you wake up in and the posture that the gratitude that you have and all those things. And I didn't even realize that Oliver is only four months old and they're her, him and Haven are like the same age that's awesome yeah wait when was he I born june. june oh my 23rd. gosh i think right after right that's after so you. sweet i congrats i have been like off social media I took like the first like eight nine months of the year off i'm just now kind of getting back on so i feel so out of the loop so congrats wow. on him he i knew you had oh, him i didn't you. realize how close that's awesome that's so sweet. I know. Hey, hey, the, it's amazing. And I always say, hey, the, Oliver's going to have uh, amazing wifey options here. There's hey, a yo. lot. Of, <laughs> oh, my gosh. A lot of girls being born lately that's... that we know. And I'm like, I'm that mom that's like, OK, I'm going to be a mother in law. So, like, oh, let me girl. look at uh, oh, all the gosh. beautiful possibilities we have here. Um, oh, my but, gosh. No, that's. I love it so That's much. Amazing. Hey, I'm the same way. We are the same. Me and Christian are like, okay, they're they're having a little boy. They're a little boy. That that's cute. He's cute. Exactly. You know? like, Haven and Honey got some good options. But my prayer is just like, Lord, would they never like the same guy at the same time? Because <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, oh, I didn't even True. think about that. Drama. I know. I'm like, please, Lord, would they never like the same guy at the same time? But um, I want to ask y'all about um, just pace because I love y'all talk about pace in the book and I just it made me think about i just shared i was off social media for a long time and i had to like circle this underline it put it here so that i could uh read this quote from the book because i'm like this is so many people's fear it says we had to overcome the worry that we miss out on some amazing opportunity if we didn't obey the pace set by a brand or last minute marketing push Committing to your Mm -hmm. own pace takes courage. It takes commitment because it will be challenged. I can promise you that. And that was something Mm -hmm. that like when I decided to take some time off social media, I think one thing that it revealed in me was how much fear I actually had around doing that. Like it was crazy. It shouldn't, I don't think it should have even taken as much courage as it, as it really did for me to go, you know what? I got to slow this down. Like I got to shut this down because I felt like keeping up with the pace that um, God had for my life. And I was, you know, pregnant with our second and um, super busy with work. But then a mom to honey and those last couple months with her. And I just was like, this is something that has to go right now. But I was like afraid of it. I was like, what are the people, mm. you know, the book publishing mm-hmm. companies going to think and the people that I'm speaking yeah. for, I'm not going to post for their events. And like just like little mm. things that I really was afraid of how it would affect. Or, you know, if I take that much time off social media and I come back, is the algorithm just going to act actually like just wax it, you know, mm. and like all this stuff mm. that really is um it's just so small in the grand scheme of things that matter in life. But it's something that I didn't even realize. I, if you would have asked me if I, if I was a, I would be like, no, those things, I don't care. Like I, I wouldn't think that I hold that so closely, but, uh, for whatever reason, whenever I decided I I need to shut it down, when I felt God kind of shifting that pace in my life, I realized how much of a stronghold that kind of was in my mind. I'm like, 
I'm not even that into social media. I really am not. Of all the social media platforms out there, I really only have Instagram on my phone. I'm, I'm, I don't really post as much as most people do anyways. I wouldn't say that it really um, shapes me or forms me. I've kind of got a good place with it. I literally wrote a whole book on it. Who are you following? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I would have th- thought I'm in a really healthy place with this until I was like, I'm going to delete it for a whole year. And then I was like, hold on a second. All these fears started to rise. All this um, insecurity started to rise. I started to realize just different aspects of my um, even identity that I had placed in being able to, um, you know, I I guess even like I mentioned, uh, the book people, what are they going to think? What are the people that I'm speaking for their event going to think if I can't shout them out? And I realized like, man, do I really believe that people only want me around sometimes because of my following and what my Instagram can do mm-hmm. or do I realize or, or do I believe that like I'm worth it to come to the event even yeah. if I can't shout it out or I'm worth it so to good. write a book because God put these words in my heart even if yeah. I'm not going to sell as many copies because I'm not on social media and it was just like wow, wow, really wow. me questioning um do I really believe my worth is found in what I can bring to the table as follows a following or do I believe my worth is because of who I am and what I bring to the table because of my voice and who God created me to be. And that was something that really slapped me in the face. I was like, oh my gosh, Mm. I did not even realize I put this much on that. And so I had to bring that up because it really does take courage to start to commit to a pace that God Mm. really is bringing into your life. And for me, I was like, man, my kids are so much more important than this, you know? And as their mom, if I'm going to be at a healthy pace um, to just show up and be the best mom I can be, then Instagram like has to lay down right now. Social media mm. just has to, it, I have to lay it down. Um, and I wow. love how you were talking about um, in the book, the EKG and how each of us have this specific, like how our heart rate is. And it's mm. like, we're all trying to be at the same pace, but the same pace doesn't work for everybody. And I think that that's yeah. really what I was trying to do. I'm like, I'm trying to keep up with the pace of what, you know, how you're supposed to be on social media. But I'm like, but my pace right now as a mom and my pace right now as a leader of LO and what we're doing is just, I can't keep up with the pace as well as an influencer or as well wow. as somebody on social media. And so I was like, this is just how I got to reshape my life. And so can y'all speak mm. a little bit into writing that part. Yes. Well, I'm just going to say like when you're speaking, everything that you're saying, like I can obviously relate to that. And I am actually right there with you, sister. So <laughs> like you saying what you're saying about how you felt like you needed to really lay whatever this is, all of it, just lay it down and kind of walk away a little bit, take a step back. Just hearing that is such a breath of fresh air from a mother to a mother. We both had our, you know, you had your second, I just had my third. It is like, Sadie, you've in a sense, you've in a sense just given me the permission to do that too. Like it is okay. And and it's just amazing how God can use our fears and he can use our insecurities and the things that we're going through right now in the present moment and in the present season of our life to not only help us undo some of the things that we've gotten tangled up into some of the rhythms that like we've gotten lost on the treadmill of life in, but also it's okay to like slow down at every new day, right? It's a new day to begin again. And you've done that. And it's so encouraging and heartwarming for me to hear that because I know that you too had a book that was out, right? There's all, you know it, there is the pressure from the publishers and there's pressure from yourself as people who are a little bit like, We are our own worst critics, but we also are achievers and we want to show up for God's kingdom every day. And we want to do the best that we can do and be the best moms and stuff. And like, I think it's so encouraging that sometimes our best means changing that pace, going with the slow, right? Instead of like this flow that the world has created that says you got to go and keep up and chase the next thing. So I find that so encouraging what you're saying and what it is, what to me the through line is, is it's basically saying like, either Jesus is enough or he isn't. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've been cornered with that too. Mm -hmm. Like either Jesus is enough or he isn't. And so while we have all of these like other pursuits and these other dreams and these goals, and I believe they're all God filled and they're all good. It's amazing when you think about Jesus and like, he never, never once in the Bible are you hearing like Jesus ran. 
Jesus mm-hmm. ran to the top of the mountain <laughs> to go be with God. Jesus ran in his Jesus uh-huh. sandals. Like he was never running anywhere, y'all. I mean, Jesus on average, they say, was walking about three miles per hour. And you can imagine at that pace, at that rhythm, you can imagine that he saw a lot. He was available to the people that would come onto his left, to the right, right. People would see him and he was able to reach people that way and notice the beauty and the goodness that was all around and maybe the troubles too. But if we're going at a million miles per hour, like how are we going to see it? We're going to miss it. We're going to miss It's what, what Don Cherie says, right? You're this, this, instead of the, the, the worldly FOMO, it's that godly FOMO, that fear of missing out on what God's going to do in our lives when we're going too fast. And Mm -hmm. I love that we are sort of being cornered in our influencer backgrounds and through your ministry too. Like, that we've got to slow down to give others the permission to do that. And so we do talk about that in the chapter with the whole um, analogy and with the heart rate, um, because there's no way you can go. Your healthy heart rate in a given season is so different than somebody else's. You've got to consider age. You've got to consider all of the things in your current season that can Mm -hmm. affect that pace. And -hmm. I think there's times where we speed it up and we feel like, oh, my gosh, there's so much vigor. I'm ready. And there's a lot of times where you're like, okay, time to bring it back down to that healthy, normal rate for myself. And so I just love that the heart does that in that EKG, like the monitor, you just see that. And there's power in that. I think God uses everything, including our organs to speak to us. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. you can look at that it's and just truth. see like, find your pace mm-hmm. and lean mm-hmm. into that and don't let anything try to steer you otherwise. Yeah. And I think that we just, I, I think we have to create space and time for ourselves and for others, you know? I think it'll be really sad if we get to heaven and God's like, you just didn't have any time. You didn't have any time for me or anybody else, you know? And that's a huge piece of the good life, a huge, huge piece of the good life. And Suzanne and I have definitely felt convicted. And the reason we moved away from LA was that like the pace of our life, the rhythms that we're living in are not like, this is not the good life. This is not what a real good life looks like. This is the good life we've been sold where it's go more, do more, more success, more things. And it's just constant opportunity, constant events. You meet all the cool people. And at the end of the year, we would audit and be like, but our cup was empty and our marriage, you know, suffered and we were angry and we didn't have any time with our daughter. And so we were like, this is not, this is not it. And I'm thankful Cezanne and I were able to taste just enough of that to say like, oh yeah, no, let's actually, let's go back home. You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's go back home. There's a lot of good there. And so I believe that, you know, the challenge for our generation is time. It's the weirdest thing. We've done so many things like over the history of the last hundred years to like make our lives efficient. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I can like, we don't have to write mail and like put it in the mailbox and wait two days for it to get somewhere. Like, boom, send an email. It's done. Call somebody like anything you want. You want to watch that show? It's on right there. You can yeah. turn it on. We've done so many things mm-hmm. like to make things instant, but still somehow like we have less time. Because we're mm. filling our days with these things that are ultimately distractions from what God is calling us to. And yep. so still, Cezanne and I feel that wrestling all the time. I think it is a constant challenge for our generation because things are so instant. We have to say, yeah, I actually, maybe if I spent like less time watching some of those shows at night, I could actually spend more time investing in my marriage, right? Or if yeah. I spent less time scrolling on TikTok at night, I could give that even hour to my spouse or to my kids, like whatever it is. And so I just want to challenge people as well as challenging ourselves. Like, like we have to learn how to slow down and say enough is enough. Give our time to God, give our time to others. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's just, Oh, we need it. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. And that's, that is such a challenge and convicting because, you know, so many of us were like, we don't have any time. We don't have any time, but I just uh, encourage you because I had to do this myself. Go look at like your screen time and look at the different apps you were on. And if Instagram says an hour and TikTok says two hours and Snapchat, whatever it is, then you might want to look at that and go, okay, it's not that I don't have time. It's just, I'm using my time in such a way that it's not giving back to me you know? And so that is such a good challenge. Like, how are you spending your time? I love this. I love the book and I love what y'all are saying because it really is just asking yourself the questions of like, is this really good? Is this really fulfilling? Is this really? And if it's not like, let's change it, let's fix it. And so many of us 
we don't go to that step of like even asking, am I happy? And then going, well, why am I not? And how can I change it? And I love this is just like, okay, I haven't been happy. I'm not living the good life. I've tasted this. I've seen this. Now, how do I fix it and get on track? Um, We had someone I was talking to recently and, you know, they were kind of struggling with some different things and uh, feeling like they weren't meeting people's expectations and they weren't, um, you know, maybe succeeding like they thought they would succeed and they were just struggling. And I said, I just encourage you to ask yourself the question, like, what is success to you? Like define Mm. success in your mind. I was like, because if it is that, then, then maybe you aren't reaching that, you know, but if success is bigger than that to you, if it's not based on a number and if it's not based off a title, but success is really based off of the, the things that you're doing in the world, the obedience that you have to God, the way that you love your family, then that, that no matter what number you reach and that no matter what title you ever have will be fulfilling because you succeeded and what your heart, you know, Mm. put out to succeed. And so I love that, you know, y'all really stopped and said, what is the good life? Like, what am I actually trying to do? What, what do I, what what do I want my home to really feel like? And to really be like, what kind of parents Mm. am I really trying to be? And so, you know, for those listening, I just challenge you Think intentionally about those things. Get intentional yeah. about what success is to you, what a good life would mean to you, what home is going to look like to your family, what the pace of your life would be healthy to keep up with the things that God has um, given you. How do you steward that well? This is just such a good mm. challenge, such good motivation. And uh, for those of you who have loved this podcast, there's so much more where this came from. There's an entire book that you can dive into underline Ooh. star say whoa that's good beside every single yes. chapter that's what i always do i say wtg beside all the good <laughs> stuff um but you guys are such an incredible inspiration thank you for living your life publicly so that people can learn from it thank you for uh parenting publicly so that i can learn from it too you guys are a huge mm-hmm. blessing to so many people and i'm grateful uh that you're on the podcast again thanks so much Likewise, you know, we love you, Sadie. Now get your butt down here to Austin so we can have a double day and some me time. Oh, girl. We need it. Yeah. That is not (laughs) far. We're state um, neighbors. Like, let's go. We are. I'll bring Haven so Oliver and Haven can go on their first date. Oh, there you go. Okay, we'll just like peek through the bushes, give them their little moat, give them the little bottles and just watch from afar. (laughs) That's the way it's going to have to be. We're 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 going back to arranged marriages. I I get it now. It's like you meet a cool family and you're like, we got to link up. Uh, Yeah, we're those people. We're like, well, we want you to marry because we love the family. Like, let's go. I love it. it. We'll bring that double stroller. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. There you go. There you go. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Sadie. You're the best. Thanks for having us on, y'all. Always a good time.